Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. listen. Now, live from Chicago, the Hal Sparks radio program mega worldwide. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Hal Sparks, actor, comedian, and multimedia personality. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hal Sparks. All right, let's do this. Well, it has been uh, it has been quite a year. Where did that go come from? I don't know. I don't know. I like it. Look at the grass. Meow. <laughs> Clearly, hold on. So, hold on. Um, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll we'll solve it in a second oh. if we can. Um, it's good. I'm thinking. Uh, so. Overall, it has been uh, quite the year, Johnny Million. It has been quite the year. Can you say something? I could not agree here? more. Let's talk about this. How about this? I send this out. There you go. It has been quite the year. There was the right, thing again. with the stuff and then that guy with the teeth. Um, great. Everyone can hear you but me. Um, I'm solving it. We're you can't hear me? Oh, I now I can hear me. Oh, now I got the echo. Nope. I got it. Hold on one second. Oh, this is uh, exciting. We're all good. We're all good. It's fine. We are um, all hi. good. Hi. Hey. Solved it. Hi. It's a, you know, it, I feel like I've been repeating myself all year. So it's kind of a good intro. I did that on purpose, Johnny Million. I, that was, that was. was Every no 800 act. milliseconds, you repeat yourself. That's right. Um, I, it's like the old George Carlin line. I'm a man ahead of my time. The problem is I'm only about five minutes ahead. And it doesn't give me time to get ahead of anybody else, really. Um there's a um, we're going to be talking to our dear friend, Philip Itner, who is, uh, um, I think, going to be on the red carpet at Cannes this time next year. I think and so. Our plan continues to work. We have uh, we wearing have, his our, fake our, hat. Our, 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 easy. Our what? Mr. What are you I'm wearing? Gonna t- I'm going to talk to him about this hat. I'm the one wearing nature's hat right now. <laughs> nature's hoodie. At this point, honest to God, I was like, I wonder what I would look like in a hoodie. Oh, I look like this. Um, uh, the. Over the last year, there has been quite a lot of um, of talk in these parts on this particular show about uh, a a belief I have had um, that has grown over time from I I think the the dare I say the nest of innocence the the egg of naivete to a full grown stork of of. Of, I don't know. I'm looking for an analogy, me. and it's just dying on you the head. I was trying. To, you know what? It was stuck in my head. Was that uh, the spoonbill dor- uh, stork or whatever? You know, the big, giant, weird-looking, like alien-looking stork that everybody takes pictures of with the huge yeah. bill. Yeah, it's yeah. like human size. And I literally that that image came into my head like like a mid-journey mismatch, and I panicked for a moment because it's the only thing that's good. Happened. I'm glad you panicked, and it didn't feel like home. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I've been saying, saying a couple of things over the last year. One, uh, that I, it is my personal belief that we have been involved as the United States in our, um, in a crisscross between our, um, I guess, jingoistic, hyper patriotic naivete on one side of the spectrum and our isolationist, all we do is bad stuff in the world, other side of the, fringes of the conversation about politics in this country. We have marched headlong into probably the biggest geopolitical rope-a-dope that humankind has seen since the Trojan horse. And specifically, I am talking about in the early 90s, 
when the fall of the USSR happened and everybody was like, oh, good, the Cold War is over. Mm-hmm. And we started acting towards Russia with a an absolute, nearly instantaneous naivete. Like, oh, well, that's gone. So you guys are totally different now. Yeah. Mistaking a falling internal regime for a similar revolutionary fight that the Americans put on back in the days of the colonies, which is intrinsically different. When you are fighting to expel, as our dear friends in Ukraine know quite well right now, when you are fighting. And as I did this morning. I don't need to know that. I don't. I was fighting um, to expel. I, I don't believe you. I think it all happened whether out of your control. But we'll talk about that in the after show, as we do during the therapy session of Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. It's not a good time to remind people to support the show through Patreon at right now. <laughs> right in the middle of my sketch. So, so, so in 1991, when the USSR fell, the, the attitude towards the United, you know, of the United States and our Western allies was largely, okay, the Soviet Union is done. That's who we were fighting with. We were not fighting with the Russian people or any, you know, or any of their personalities or anything. Just the ideolo- that ideology fight had been going on for a long time, and it's over now. And so we jumped right into, you know, American artists were performing over there. We, you and I watched the the Moscow Music Peace Festival. Yeah, they're still waiting for their pizzas. Yeah, they're still waiting for their pizzas. Um, if you haven't seen Ozzy's analogies about the USSR versus the I just brought up an inside joke that Hal and I have had since we were 17 years old. That, that's absolutely true. So um, wonderful, uh, you know, a, a wonderful period. But at the same time, when you look at who was coming up in that system, it is abundantly clear that not everyone was happy about the collapse of that whole big USSR thing. No. And set about to right that wrong, however long it would take them. And the primary, like, the, the the prime mover in this group of people was Vladimir Putin himself, who yeah. has said that the fall of the, the Soviet Union is the is the biggest uh, tragedy in, in the history of his country and the history of the world. And right about that time, um, there, there was a, a teetering shift where the the leader of China at the time said, um, hide your strength and bide your time. The idea being that we will become, you know, we'll let everybody build stuff here. We'll just absorb the world's goods. In, in, in effect, a, a way of uh, probably the closest thing to a successful version of Marx's plan, which is to build a, uh, you can only build socialism on the back of capitalism. Again, it's, it's such a weird aspect of Marx's philosophy that I find goofy beyond measure, which is, you know, it's the Marxism, like socialism and communism only can work once capitalism creates everything, which is like saying the key to living a truly pure vegan lifestyle is to get as big as Arnold Schwarzenegger eating nothing but beef and and calves livers. And then one day just decide to be call yourself a vegan. It's yeah. very odd. It's a it's a it's an intrinsic aspect of the philosophy that I just find flawed, <laughs> let's say. So um, right about that time. And yes, I did do a hair flip, Johnny Million. You just saw it on camera at InfotainmentWars.com. And uh, it's hard not to. And 
it's interesting that the timing of both of these things was happening very close together. The fall of the USSR and the and the concern on the you know, from the Chinese part that they were next that the the CCP would fall equally because it was equally incompetent, equally uh, disinterested in the health and welfare of its own people and reliant on the western world to even exist in the first place. And so they set about two kind of divergent messaging standards. One was, uh, welcome all comers. We're part of the global community. We're, uh, you know, we're your business partner. That was the Chinese version of it. And the Russians were, we're going to have to set snares so that if anybody tries to get out from under our influence, they face death. Now, both, both are true, by the way. Both, both are the, both are the same ar- argument. They're just verbalized differently because ultimately what China's trying to, you know, has been trying to do over the last 15 years, especially is you build everything here. So you can't mess with us. If you mess with us, we will, you know, we'll stop, you know, I don't know, letting your goods leave the country, whatever they're, they never really could express what would happen because they knew their, the, the health and well-being of their people was tied so, uh, you know, intimately with the, you know, the economies of the West that they couldn't really out and out say it, but it was a lot of tug and pull. Like, we're going to make this difficult for you. And in the margins on a, you know, on trillions of dollars of trade, margins can mean a drop in your nation's, uh, or a rise in your nation's unemployment by a point or two. And we know, you know, in this country that after things like 2008 or the Great Depression, that if unemployment goes up, there's a, there's literally a statistical number, and I'm, I'm blitzing on it right now, that ties the number of suicides to a, a percentage rise in unemployment. Um, that you can literally like it's it's a balanced part of the, the populace overall. Yeah, it is. You can capitalism and, killing people. Well, I wouldn't call it capitalism because it, without that, it it is it is literally just the the inability to provide. In other countries, like in China, they yeah. Was that let you go. who did the? You hear that No, it's gone. It is. That's so weird. See, and I didn't touch anything. Right, yeah, I know. Your hair could have. That's true. And it's got Medusa-like properties. So point being is that um, it is abundantly clear. That is very strange. <laughs> so it only happens sometimes. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out during the break. Let's take a break. We'll be back right after this. It's Al Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. You're locked into the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. All right, so it wasn't me, which is good. It, it was very strange. Uh, I'm glad. Um, what I was saying essentially was that um, we, in our national, maybe it's a mix of of uh, you know the sort of egoism of American exceptionalism on the right and the denial of American exceptionalism on the hyper left or, you know, those groups, you know, we're basically in, if you go online, a ping pong match between those two groups of idiots. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in, since they have largely controlled the conversation for the last 30 years, we, we have missed the fact that other countries have plans on the world that, that, 
that there is not a singular, you know, imperialistic reflex and hegemonic reflex somehow magically the minute you take your 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 oath as a U.S. citizen, as an immigrant, if you show up here um, and you take your oath, suddenly all of a sudden you're like, all right. What countries can we take over? Let's do this. You know, now let's start with my old one first. You know, um, it's not something that's just built in. As a matter of matter of fact, there's a lot more laissez faire in the American politic than I think people are even aware of. And if and if you don't believe me, go to a sports stadium or a concert these days. And it's really because of COVID, I think, even more stark than it has ever been. But in the process. You, you've got two particularly centralized governments with no diversity of of thought within their functioning system, um, in namely the CCP and the, the Russian system, where both countries have set a path to um, either because they believe they've been wronged by history or they have low self-esteem about their existence in the world uh, or it's just too much work to produce a lot of stuff that a lot of people want and get power that way. So they've just got to seize everything and kill everybody. Yeah. And every, maybe, maybe that's a reflex every country goes through that, you know, obviously when the Germans wag a finger at us, we're like, eh, calm down. Yeah. And when we wag a finger at somebody else, we have to do it with a recognition that we have, um, we have a history that we have to make up for. But part of it is moving past that part of the whole point is that nobody gets to skip history. And I think we're all finding out right now. I saw a shirt the other day where somebody that somebody was wearing that said, um, I'm tired of living through uh, once in a lifetime events, you know? Yeah. Or, you know? Yeah. And and I'm sorry, but you can't. Nobody gets to skip history. And part of and the, I the wanna. Nope. The definition of your country, the definition of your philosophy is. Uh, you know, is not this idea that you have no regrets, but that you recognize your failures, regret them so that you never do them again. That if you, from them. If you, right. Exactly. That's why I'm a big fan of regret. I got to, you know, regrets. I've had a few and uh, they, they genuinely have worth. There's a problem, though, when your only regrets are. I should have killed that guy when I had the chance, which right now in the world of of. Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping, there's a lot of that going around. Like that is the primary gripe. And in many ways, thank God it's too late. Yesterday was the one year anniversary of uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine. And during, um, you know, the last couple of days on my live stream and and on the morning show, which I do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on my uh, twitch.tv slash Al Sparks. And Johnny Million's got a new Twitch channel, and we're going to raid him and do all kinds of things. That's going to be crazy. Hal's going to be on the live stream, and we're going to... Yeah, it's going to be a show. And um, and then your your audio is going to fail, and I'm just going <laughs> to smile. They're going to giggle. Scramble and pull plugs and freak out and try to keep your thought it aligned while craziness happens, but um, that we've been looking at, you know, the, the lead up to the few days right before this and the conversation that has been had multiple times, um, you know, in the month before where Biden and everybody Blinken, all those folks, they were talking directly to Lavrov and all those guys and hearing what, what the Russians were saying versus what the Russians were 
doing. And yeah. there there was a if you look back at the videos of their spokespeople, their ambassador when he was on Face the Nation, literally the day before they moved their troops into the already occupied areas to start the big roll past that. He was he directly there is no invasion and there is no plan for an invasion. Now, on the one hand, that's almost true because they had a plan, but it sucked. It was uh, there was you could say there was no plan because they thought they could do it easily. And well, who needs a plan? We'll just roll in and do this. Biden's weak. The the NATO alliance has been, you know, lessened and everybody's scattered and Brexit. And we did. We teed up all the parts as best we could. And we really don't have much time. We got to do this. Our demographic and, and uh, lack of technological advancement calls for us to seize the lands of other people and live off their backs. A form of war slavery, which is effectively the business that Russia is in now. If you don't believe me, ask the Chechens or the Georgians or the Dagestanians or anybody who's in a former Soviet uh, republic that has uh, declared its independence and has been living independent ever since the the and even to some degree sections of of syria um and by the way if you don't believe it ask our soldiers who gave up a base during the trump administration that the russians took over so we got to build the u.s taxpayer built the biggest russian base in syria um that's what they do now they are they they are this is a war of enslavement we will either take your people and use them as broodmares in the case of the women and children, um, or and we will kill your men or force them to fight for us to continue this going forward in a very Genghis Khan methodology. And or uh, we will just obliterate all of you and take your land and use the fact that you cultivated over years and created farms and all this kind of stuff and just ro- uh, steal your tractors, start farming on your land and, uh, at, you know, with no memory of who set it up a form of like like just um, it, it's like it's like, you know. Working your way into someone's will and then murdering them. This is that. I mean, that is the that's the softest version of what Russia has been trying most to do. Of the true crime stories that I listen to are that people working their way into wills and then like becoming the the caretaker. Yes, and on a side note, because you're great at those, Johnny Million, may I say that a lot of those things seem a lot more work than just making that money. Yeah, right. You know what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, and all the just work at Target. Yeah, well, the like, let's say, I mean, I don't know what the number is. What what's your number, Johnny Million? One point five million, like whatever the insurance number. Once it gets up to a certain point, you're like, oh, I can see that. Yeah, this person's never gonna make a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's probably in that ballpark. Yeah. Yep, but if you're capable of creating that kind of a plot and actually think you can get away with it, why don't you think you can? I don't know. Invent an extra key for the piano. At a certain point, there's can't you? Maybe it's an ego. I don't know. Maybe there's an ego window. You know, how they say there's a there's an asteroid headed for the the Earth right now. By the way, and it's the one that we're gonna nudge because we practiced with the other one. Uh, I don't want to scare everybody, but it comes by the Earth in 2035, and there's a it's going to either uh, go straight towards the Earth, burn up on reentry, or it's going to bounce off the atmosphere because it comes close. But if there is a like a 500 yard window 
that it could pass through in the atmosphere, which is like the perfect insert, which will make it land 35 miles off the coast of San, uh, Santa Monica and create a tsunami in less than a minute that will wipe out the almost half of Los Angeles, drag it out to sea, raise a giant second wave of all the buildings it tore to pieces and smash those down on the cities. It's a very small chance. But I think it's worth the mission to kind of flick that thing out of the way. You know what I mean? Like, that's that that alone, that alone would uh, makes all of NASA's expenditures forever worth it. Right. That's I had that conversation with my son uh, last week when there he had a teacher who was going off about like, why are we spending money on space when we could? Well, I'll tell you why, because if we can divert the one asteroid that would kill us all, uh, it pays for itself. Yeah. Because there is no economy if we're all cinders. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big one. That's a, you know, never mind the ARC project where we can get off this log. So um, <laughs> if it ever, you know, if we ever uh, treat it that terribly where it's like, OK, enough of you guys, which it very well may because yeah. it snowed in Vegas this week. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. No so um, where were we? Oh, yes. The rope dope. So. Um, it has become abundantly clear that at least under Vladimir Putin in Russia, the idea was play nice, but hide the knife. Mm. And and ultimately, whether Deng Xiaoping, that was his plan or not, or whether he even thought it was viable, it was definitely part of the philosophy that was coming out of uh, of. The, the, the CCP in the 80s and 90s, especially. Into the 2000s. Once Xi Jinping got in, Xi Jinping is largely the Vladimir Putin of China. Okay. He he talks about Taiwan the way, you know, Putin talks about uh, Ukraine. The difference is Ukraine at one point was part of the USSR. It was still its own country. They just decided to make it a state and then it went back to being its own country. Taiwan, for the record, and I don't know why people aren't aware of this is not now and has never been under the CCP as a governance. It has never, ever been under the Chinese government as it stands, ever. Nationalist Party fled to Taiwan and started their own government there specifically. We, the one China policy is about ethnicity, largely for the West, because in a racially homogenous country, that's how the West tends to think about countries like that, because that's how they think of themselves. And increasingly, China thinks of itself as not um, a, a Chinese country, but a Han Chinese country in the same way that, you know, you and I couldn't make a distinction between Germans and the, you know, and Bavarian Germans and Austro Germans and whatever. But the Germans sure did in the late 30s. They are making that distinction right now. And both of the I think the world is finally waking up to this. Uh, we got to take a break. When we come back, um, I'm going to see if I can play this audio without it killing us all of, uh, of Bill Browder um, talking about why the West has uh, has slow walked our support for Ukraine as far as weapons. And and it's partly because our empathy is weaponized against us. We'll be back mm -hmm. right after this. It's the House Parts Radio program, Mega Worldwide, now with 100 percent more Johnny Million. That's me. Welcome back to the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Uh, I, okay, but who's the running mate? 
Well, <laughs> Santos. Because he took my name. He's president. What? Yeah. Santos is already calling himself Johnny Million. Everybody wants to be like Johnny. <laughs> That's the spirit. How are Johnny and Hal different? Height. <laughs> Height. Height. They're trying to pit us against each other in the world of guitar playing. Height, hair, and hope. These are the yeah. three, yeah. three ways. We, yeah. we, the three H's. We gotta have a four H of it. Um, That's right. I've only got one of those. Mm-hmm. Holes. No, that's not. Um, I've got holes. Oh, I know. How I do know. you know? Well, if you, if you didn't, you'd be a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was, I was working on an expulsion. Mm. Oh, Devin just sent a note. You guys are back. Oh, we're back. We're on the air. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right. Yes, we you can't hear us. <laughs> oh, you know, we cannot hear them. We cannot. Okay. Nope. Um, uh, it's a, that's a curious aspect. I can hear you, though, Johnny, so I know it yeah. is me. I'm good. All right. Now, the question is, uh, I hope they can hear us. But anyways, the, um, the um, Bill Browder was on, I think, the BBC, like BBC Radio, Times Radio. Who, by the way, has been straight up magic on the Ukraine war, like as as fuddy duddy and British as the Times Radio, you know, is and seems, and absolutely just reeks of it. Um, every time I listen to or see a clip from the Times Radio interviews, there, it's it is just Brits keeping calm and carrying on. That's all they the can do. Awful things. And, and, you know, um, well, at this point, you know, a severe fire of that form is something we're going to have to. Now, my, I, if you can't see in the frame right now, but both of my legs are on fire. Oh. And um, on the one hand, if you looked at it positively, I could be Nikki Six in a video, but I'm not. I'm a man on fire and uh, we learned to deal. So they, this, is, um, this is Browder saying something that I have been saying for quite some time. Um, about this, like our issues with Ukraine and Russia. Everybody in the West has been tiptoeing around this whole concept of escalation. We we somehow think that if we we supply Putin, um, or we I'm sorry, we supply the Ukrainians with weapons, that's going to escalate Putin. But he's the one escalating. All we're doing is trying to help them defend themselves. And so, I, I wish that the that the um, U.S. and the U.K. And the, and the EU would just put aside this worry about upsetting Putin give the Ukrainians everything that they asked for and let the Ukrainians get on with their job to finish this off. Cause they could, if they had the, the appropriate weaponry to do so. Anybody in the- yes. So there is an, there was an article, I believe it was in the wall street journal first, but it's a, it is a, a thought that is carrying across now on the, you know, and I think the one year anniversary has brought people to it. And a lot of the ways that many people re- reflected on the Iraq war, the year after the year after nine 11, two years in where people were like, Hmm, Maybe, just maybe, we we had a um, we were wrong in our perception and our uh, 
and our attitudes towards this whole thing, and we let ourselves get carried away. The opposite is true now. I think the the reaction to being misled by the Bush administration and being, you know, uh, for those that were, I don't think anybody here was, and I don't think anybody listening to the sound of my voice bought any of it at all. Like we were, you know, I found it absurd from the jump that we were going into Iraq, but the reaction from some people was, out of fear after 9-11 that anything is justified, that, you know, that's that's it. For everybody always asks what happened to Dennis Miller. That's what happened to Dennis Miller. Dennis, yeah. 91, like uh, Dennis Miller was uh, like, I think he put out black and white. One of one of the most liberal stand up specials you'll hear in a long time. Very, you know, pro like pro choice, all kinds of, you know, jokes in there. Obviously, um not politically correct in some areas by today's standards, I would guess, in a couple areas. But overall, the idea of arguing for things that, you know, are, are pretty normal around these parts. And then something happened uh, along the way and he turned into a, you know, a, a friend of Bill O'Reilly's. It was 9-11. And, the rea- and, and it was that reaction that those folks had that got us into, like, this kind of rolling Iraq, then Afghanistan, then forever, then staying in there, then the war on terror and the constant re-upping of the justifications. And many of us, you know, reacted to the, you know, the uh, authorized use of military force and, you know, being automatically re-upped and not having to declare war and all this stuff, as you should, (laughs) recognizing that the war on terror is not a military act, but in large part, an act of, uh, of law enforcement. As John Kerry put it when he was running against Bush in the in the second term, he's like, this is this should not have been handled with the military. This was a mass murder. You deal with mass murderers that way. You don't start rolling wars in other countries that are just going to contribute to more war in the future. And I and and I think on, on our side of the aisle, on the Democratic side of the aisle uh, in the in the liberal world. That uh, I resonated to that. I think you did too, Johnny Million. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people were like, "Absolutely, this is ridiculous. We need to get out of there. We're just making more terrorists." And and that that reflex, that logic, is great and should never be lost. But what we have now with the Ukrainian situation, which is a wholly different circumstance, where a foreign country has has attacked another in a horrifyingly violent way for them daring to be independent and and that that attachment of that country to the rest of Europe has the potential for a rolling cascade of violence as a large uh, you know basically a kleptocracy yep. a mafia state deciding oh we'll just steal one country at a time and my big stake in the ground as Vladimir Putin will be that I was the guy who started the the Russian imperialist move in the in the 21st century. Um, there are, there is a huge difference in those situations. It is it is literally the difference between violence and self defense. If you cannot tell the difference between violence and self defense, you are useless in any dangerous situation. Absolutely, police. You are you have. No value. Uh, your opinion has no value if you can't distinguish between those two things. You can disagree absolutely about which is which. That's an argument. Sure, that's yeah, that's debatable. That's value. It's important to have that conversation. It happens in court every day. Absolutely. 
But if you are incapable of recognizing the difference, then all the Vladimir Putins and the Xi Jinping's of the world have to do is trigger your memory of our own government acting wrongly and saying it's a wash while human lives are being wiped from the face of the earth while you twiddle your thumbs because you can't make a distinction between violence and self-defense. Now, the right is doing this like crazy right now. The uh, Gates with his uh, Ukraine fatigue bill, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, with her. The funny thing is she's put forward this like, I want to audit every dollar that's going to Ukraine. Knock yourself out. She, her own congressional um, like committee members, other people in her caucus have just been to Ukraine. They have looked at the books. That's why they were there with the auditor. There is no there there. So anytime she floats this kind of thing, that Gates's thing is never going to pass because the rest of the world is, I mean, the rest of the United States, like Senate and the House has sense. We're not insane. And in general. And, uh, and so when these things come up, yes, they're disgusting. Yes, they're disappointing. Yes, they're uh, an indicative of a callous disregard for human life. However, they aren't going to amount to a hill of beans. And the, the focus in many ways that, that I think we as a nation have to recognize is that, okay, you have seen a situation where your own fear or your own, uh, you know, just the shock of something like 9-11 was weaponized against you to create actions you do not support. And forever and a day, the rest of your life, you should always be on guard on that kind of thing. But if you knee-jerk that that's always the circumstance, if you automatically assume that, then anyone, including someone in your own government, the what of the next Dick Cheney, because you, you hinge on a single point, has a very simple way of re-triggering whatever action they want from you again. Complexity has value. Diversity being our strength only comes from your ability to critically think in these situations. And as we look at uh, Ukraine, what, what Browder was saying, and and in many ways what I think a lot of the what made the West drag their feet in the very beginning was because for some reason, in an act of self-defense again against an onslaught by a much bigger country against a much smaller country, with you know a country by the way with a huge military, deciding we're just going to take this country and by their own words eliminate Ukra- the Ukrainian identity from the earth either by murder or uh, or re-education or both. And, and by the way, they've decided on a system. They, the, the Russians have decided on a system for that, which is kill all the men or anybody old enough to have a memory about this that can fight back and then absorb all the children, steal children from the area, raise them in Russian homes to hate their own country. And and eventually you will repopulate your, you know, your diaspora if, if that's what they're trying to grow. You cannot, you, you, you have to have this, the ability to go, is there, a, is there a worm on that hook? 
And because if there isn't a worm on the hook, the hook will never get you. The worm has to be something you're attracted to. It's right. something that is normal for your consumption. And it and I'll, and these days, especially as we get into like chat GPT and deep fakes and all that kind of stuff, I am telling you that the next two years in particular are going to be madness in terms of I saw a video that made me do this, that start tweet storms, that change policy in the United States in, in, or any other country, but that was never real in the first place. And by the time you figure it out, it's already done. We, we have got to be more guarded of our principles and, and less attached to our jargon. Yeah, and just like the there's a New York Times opinion piece saying we already know that masks didn't work, so what's the next step? It's an opinion right. piece by some dude who doesn't even think climate change is real. But right. well, and, and but everybody's record. freaking out and retweeting it and loving it. Sure. Well, and and that is because the uh, the studies that they were using in particular uh, around these things they. Well, I mean, it would take an hour to break it down, but this, they basically took, well, like one of these like accumulative studies that gets put out by a decent, um, you know, group, but doesn't take into factor any of the other ancillaries of masking, hand washing, for example, in that same study, hand washing more than anything else decreased the, the, the transmission more than any other aspect of all the things you can do, hand washing is the best because even if you're wearing a mask, you touch your eyes. Now, that alone, if people and if you're with Hal, right he'll now, touch your eyes. That's true. I will. Boop. Nya, nya, nya. Um, we got to take a break, but I uh, there was a correlation between people who regularly washed their hands and regularly wore a mask and slowed the transmission of the virus, saving. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives. So uh, even if, and that's not what this paper says, but even if wearing a mask acted as sort of a badge to say, I am also using hand sanitizer and washing my hands and not, you know, if I feel bad, I'm staying home. That in and of itself would be successful. And it would also correlate to a lot of people who would, it, it would isolate out the the, the people who don't act that way, who didn't do any of those things, who caught the disease and passed on because they're not counted in said study. They don't exist to the study. So, um, but again, the idea is, is how do we how do we use something that's meaningful to you, even if it's brand new? I mean, look at the word liberal to progressive. We've literally gotten to the point where liberal used to be the bad word. Remember that? They were in the 90s, man. Yeah. The Republicans were making liberal a bad word. Then they were successful. Nobody wanted to call themselves a liberal for a long time. And then, boom, you know, part of the reason why we got compassionate conservatism is because nobody wanted to call themselves a liberal because they thought they were going to get dunked on. And they've done the same word with progressive, which they now align with directly communist. The funny thing is, because they've done that, the word liberal is coming back. That even right wingers, mid, you know, centristy right wingers, whatever the hell that is, um, call themselves classical liberals now. So, again, it's this attachment to jargon that gets weaponized instead of being able to parse out the difference in the circumstance and going, what are my ethical concerns in this? And how do I live up to my best standards? And I don't think anybody would stand by while someone else is being, you know, murdered right in front of you by someone 
three times their size and go, I, yeah, but if I get involved, I don't know. I, it's just a, it's a lot of that's it's going to affect my economy. Um, some some people would, not me, and not most of the people in the sound of my voice. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk, uh, WCPT eight twenty AM. How does he do it? I know I'm only on one day a week. I get it. I'm going to have to jump on uh, GarageBand and start sawing something together. This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then David with progressive. Uh, and all. Yeah, it's going to be good. Hey, how? Did you mean something like this? This is the house bar show. And then a guitar note. And then David with progressive. Uh, and all. Yeah, it's going to be good. Have coffee with uh, with Zach Brown, uh, the bass player. Mega Worldwide. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Awesome dude, really good guy. Mm. So there was a last weekend. There was a rage uh, on behalf of Russia's war machine, uh, aka Rage Against the War Machine, aka uh, Tulsi Gabbard and Ron Paul um, and neo Nazis and uh, Russophiles. And um, QAnons all gathering together in a big lump in in D.C. to to all complain about the same thing for 20 different reasons, which is hilarious. Diversity was not their strength, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) They they, They were like, everybody put the different sums into the equation and came up with the same conclusion, which is... I'm just going to say a sign of bad math on the jump. There's one in in uh, London right now, which is literally its entire uh, uh, its preface is uh, the elimination of NATO because NATO is a war machine that's been you know ginning up war with Russia forever. Now, uh, NATO did uh, has NATO invaded any countries lately? No. Um, has Russia invaded any countries lately? I, I'm scratching my head. Um, and uh, by the way, did NATO and Russia have an agreement about sovereign um, territories in 1997 that Russia immediately broke? Yeah. Yeah, they did. So I have been dropping into the the online social media streams of these folks who are – and I think this is a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier, which is they are weaponizing empathy of good people, taking what is effectively the anti-war movement and, and turning it into an anti-Ukrainian self-defense movement. Because their idea is that if we stopped helping the Ukrainians, this would be over a lot quicker. And that's true in the same way that if someone is being sexually assaulted and uh, you're helping them fight off their attacker and you stop, it would be over a lot quicker. Um, the the big question by this anti-war group, if I can boil it down into something awful, is if you stop fighting, rape turns into sex. Oh, jeez, I'm a crow. That's, that's, the, that's yeah. the mentality. Yeah. It would it would just be sex. It's only rape because you're fighting back. That's that is that makes me want to swear. Oh my god, it's it is grotesque. And on the and as we look back on the year and all the things that have happened, Bucha, the the, the massacres that happened there, the videos posted, 
bless you. I know I'm I'm allergic to atrocities as well. Sorry. Um. Yeah, it's okay. It happens. Um. That it, you know, as we look back at like things that seem like impossible, like a thousand years ago. There's so many things we've been through in the last couple of years, especially. Wes says we're not on the air. We're not. Yeah. That's terrible. Well, maybe there's a delay in the chat. Maybe that's. I think it might be from. Maybe someone said something was disgusting. I hope that's not my sneeze. I think it was. I think. Uh, well, and but the analogy. I stand by that analogy. That the the argument from the um the the you know door against the machine crowd and this anti NATO group that's meeting in London right now. I will let me say this as clearly as I possibly can. They are not anti war. They are for Russia winning as soon as possible. Yep. They they are looking they're like people who bang on the wall when there is domestic violence in the next apartment, <laughs> not because they want it to stop, but because it's waking them up from their nap. It is not out of concern for... They're not banging on the wall because they want justice. They just want it to be over sooner. Yeah, they just want... Can you just kill her already so I can get some sleep? That's, right. that's the mentality. And I... I, I feel free to at me anybody who hears this. I don't care. It is abundant. If you listen to any of these people, and it's not even just at these gatherings, it's all year long. It's their conversation about the. It, it, I mean, it's the it's Russell Brand thing. Yeah, exactly. It's the because the Azov Battalion um, had uh, nine Nazis in it. By the way, back when in 2014, pre pre Euro Maidan, back when Russia ran the joint. Through a puppet government. Interesting. And then all of a sudden, somebody takes over. They change governments three times. They have three elections, successful elections. They now have a Jewish president. And all of a sudden, the only place you find those guys holding up their uh, Nazi Ukraine flags happen to be in the Donbass and, the, and uh, you know, in the Donetsk and Luhansk regions with brand new, uh, like, in the package, printed out. Nazi Ukraine flags being held up by masked people wearing patches. What's a Nazi like a, Ukraine flag? They made a yellow flag with the with the swastika in the middle of it. Yeah, it's adorable. Way, it is. But for the record, it's <clears throat> not a symbol of Ukrainians who are Nazis who want this. It is a symbol of the neo-Nazis from Russia who intend to turn Ukraine into a Russian white nationalist state. There is a group specifically of Putin followers who are like egregiously white supremacist. And they believe that the, the reason you have to take over Ukraine and, and, and Putin alluded, alluded to this in his speech a few days ago, that not only are the gays going to come in, you know, because that's what Europe wants to do. If a Ukraine becomes part of Europe and it becomes normalized to Europe, they're going to have pride marches and trans people and you're going to have to have gender neutral bathrooms, EGADs. But on top of that, um, Europe lets the blacks in. Europe lets the Eurasians in. Europe lets the Middle Easterners in and that kind of stuff. And we keep them out. And they're going to, if you, if you cross part of Europe, that's what's going to happen. That they're going to allow that in. And that gets on our doorstep. More than fearing NATO's weapons at Russia's doorstep, they fear Western pluralism at their doorstep. 
And so the people that are in the Donbass holding up flags like that are stating their intention to turn Ukraine into a Russian white nationalist state run by the Russian Orthodox Church and of a particular single strain to basically rebuild the demographic that is collapsing in Russia. It's strict. It, it's very 1930s. We got to take a break. We'll be no, back right after this. Philip Bittner will be uh, slumming with us right after this. That's back right. On, yeah. Taking yeah, a break. Back on terrestrial radio. MSNBC. Uh, he's here already. I, he's lovely. We'll be back right after this. We're going to pick on him because he's wonderful and we're so happy. Anyways, we'll be back right after this. Thanks, Johnny Million. I appreciate it. Yes, we're back uh, with Philip Bittner joining us from uh, from uh, Ukraine. Uh, you know, and uh, I, we couldn't see it, but I liked it. Um, the, the it's been quite a weekend. I have to say, uh, Philip Bittner. A, we're all, we're normally all your mother in in on, on my regular show and on the weekend because we're you know I'm genuine. I'm and I I'm. I understand. Uh, okay, yeah, we're. I'm sorry. We're your. We're your aunt Betty who thinks you're not eating. How about this? We're. we're I didn't do it. We're. We're. Yes, we're your. Aunt, we're your aunt Johnny. And um. So, it, on the regular, and I'm. You know, we joke about it in this way specifically because we want to. You know, it's just how we deal with the fact that we're very, genuinely nervous for you and genuinely nervous for where you are and what's going on there because we do care and you know deflecting with comedy is very healthy and i and i and i will say that we also got to be sort of yes we also they got can't to hear be philip of, for uh, some reason oh that's their mess around we'll be fine uh i know we can hear you we're fine um johnny couldn't for a second and that's no philip that, can't i mean cpt can't can't hear philip oh that's weird yeah huh why would that be uh, it does, but I'm not quite sure why, but we'll, uh, we'll work on that right now. I will, uh, I'm, I'm working on that behind the scenes, but on the, on the live stream in general, uh, um, Phil, first of all, uh, how you doing and let us know. And if we have to, uh, translate it to everybody else, we'll, um, we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, but, uh, I'm going to turn off the echo cancellation just in case that's where it's going. Um, and we'll we'll solve it either way. Chicago, if you need to pull audio for the show from uh, from YouTube or or one of those sites to get everybody, that's another option. Just yeah. throwing that out there because I know they're having issues. Um, I'm going to grab the audio from YouTube. Yeah. So um, so Phil, like we were all worried in the lead up that that Russia would tr- do something on the anniversary besides just the speech that Putin gave last week, and. I'm, what was it like? Was there any feel of heightened stuff, or did it come and go? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a very real concern, a lot of unease, and um, it. it Nothing really happened. Now, we've learned subsequently that Russia did try a couple of kind of minor attacks. <laughs> By that, I mean 70, uh, apparently some 70 attacks um, right. were stopped by uh, Ukrainian forces, both in the air and on the, land, uh, on the ground, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, 
it, it was very weird. It was, it's not Russia's, um, it's not Russia's, uh, way of doing things. Right. Uh, it's very unusual for them because, um, there is a, there's a very kind of, uh, a, frankly, a blunt kind of unsophisticated perception, uh, of, of the way power is negotiated in Russia. And that is this. If you don't use it, somebody's going to come and take it from you because you're going to seem weak. And weakness mm-hmm. is a sign for, um, for, you know, that, that if you are weak, then you deserve to lose what you have. That's right. the kind of whole mentality when it comes to power negotiations in, in Russia. Of course, painting with a very broad brush. Sure. Um, so for them not to have done anything on that day, on that anniversary, the one year, uh, of, you know, marking the one year, I hesitate calling it an anniversary, but the one year mark of, uh, yeah. of, of the beginning of this, we need this a new phase word. of this war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was very weird, very strange. Uh, and, um, you know, and I still, and I still think there's the possibility that they'll hit us with something. Now, maybe it's because their stockpiles are depleted. Maybe it's because right. the Ukrainian uh, defenses are so strong that we didn't, uh, that, that they tried and it failed. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just, I still have this, I'll be happy if I'm wrong. I'll be real happy if I'm wrong. But right. there's just this, this, this creeping sense in my gut that um that the the Russians are not going to let this uh, anniversary or this one year moment in time pass without doing something so maybe right. tonight or maybe sometime during the weekend i i don't know for sure and again if i'm wrong great or if 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 the russians fail also great um right. but um i well, can't it, believe that they aren't going to at least try i i agree i mean i think we've seen that that you know when people have tended to misjudge Russia before, where they're like, they're not going to do anything. And this is just like the lead up to the war last year when, when the Biden administration, everybody was saying, yeah, this is going to this is going to happen. And everybody was like, I don't think so. The opposite is now true. I think that that the lesson of that in many ways was that everybody's concerned that, like, they're going to use whatever that. And that's where, like, the, the when they blew up their own pipeline, you're welcome, Um that was everybody thought, oh, the pipeline was blown up by the West. And therefore, th- this is going to be the thing that's going to set off World War Three. And Russia is going to use this. The 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 fall of Kherson, the, the retaking of Kharkiv, everything that every gain, every like big ticket item that, you know, not being able to take Kiev was going to be like, oh, dear God. Well, since they failed at Kiev, they're going to back up and just strafe bomb the place and nuke it out of existence. So everywhere along the way, there's this, been, uh, this idea that Russia's reaction is going to be mass murder. And there's a reason to believe that, you know, but with that assert- yeah, right. Well, it's the one skill they seem to have accumulated over time. But at the same time, you know, I, I understand everybody's nervousness about it, but at the same time, it doesn't seem to be paying off in that regard, either because they can't or because they know that the price to, of doing it is too high in the case of like tactical nukes or something like that. So it's not wrong to feel that way, obviously. But is are we at the point where they're just not even capable of living up to their own myth? Maybe. There's also the possibility, of course, and, and this is, again, we, we can kind of, think about uh, all the different scenarios, but maybe also because they sense that there are those out there. And I've seen in the last uh, 48 hours or so, of course, with 
the rally on the mall and then London and Berlin and all the rest of it, that maybe there is this growing war weariness. And if they were to attack Ukraine, it would be counterproductive because then, then everybody who's protesting the war and aiding Russia's interests, willingly, knowingly or not, uh, you know, if they start bombing indiscriminately and doing right, it'll draw attacks, attention. That's a good um, point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So why not just let those who are, uh, you know, terrified of, of the war, are tired of the war, are disgusted with the war, uh, and want it to end, uh, with, you know, with no regard to how it ends. Uh, maybe Russia's decided it's, it's best not to give the, you know, let's support Ukraine because isn't Russia awful side, um, which is the majority, of course. Uh, yeah, because that, so. that kind of strategy in a, in in a modern, yeah, in a modern society, um, and in and in the world of you know social media connectivity, one of the, you know appearance is a managed part of war even more than I think any other time in history, and so a lot of what they're doing is the grind works on their behalf like if you you know because people will tire of it people will expect it to go on and on like this and and then that what drives the whole we got to talk about this and just end this because there it seems to be a stalemate even though real action is is happening and during this back and forth russia is is sinking back in as far as their availability of arms their availability of of personnel you know it's it there are real impacts being made but if they can make it look like we can do this forever and that's the perception in a lot of places that that's, you know, they throw bodies at things. That's what they've done in the past. We can keep doing this till you're, you know, till you're no more. And that that plays into that weariness idea. Whereas in reality, I don't think they have the resources or the people to continue doing that. Nobody does. And the Wagner group fighting internally with Russia is a big part of that. We got to take a break. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that on the other side. And then I also want to take some questions from our chat room because I know Johnny's been farming those and I yep, have. I got you, some. You and, yeah, you yep. and I can have our, our other separate conversation when you join me on Wednesdays um, when we're talking about these things. But in the interim, it's great to be able to discuss these things uh, You know that the chat room is sure. interested in. So we'll be back right after this. It's the House Parts Radio Program Mega Worldwide. I'm starting to understand why I don't have as much time to talk during my segments because Devin's bumpers are three minutes long. You want a quick promo, Hal? You got a quick promo, Hal. <gasps> Welcome back to the Hellsworth Radio Program. Mega Watch, Guys, Press Talk, WZBDM. Woo! Yeah! And we're going to just keep talking as if, and then they'll just pull in wherever they need, and I'll just, because you know, yep. it does have... Definitely. We're and back. Not much I can do for me. Oh yeah, excellent. I I mean, it's a. This is what happens anyways because the the conversation continues behind the scenes as you do. Infotainmentwars.com. Uh, we don't need the documents. We have everything memorized. Or uh, flank.com. F W A N Q. dot com. Um, and uh, so, Philip, there are a couple of questions um, that I you know that we have already. I I do have a personal one that I don't know why it popped up during the yeah, break. I just wanted did. to address. I wanted to address yeah. before we went to break. There was this this one thing of like, um, you know, the information war, the propaganda war, and, mm-hmm. and the desire to see the war end. And, and there might come a time at some point during the fighting season, which is approaching quickly, mm-hmm. if the the Ukrainians are actually making uh, uh, progress in, in the breakaway republics in, in the Donbass. Uh, that's the, the Donetsk People's Republic and the Lugansk People's Republic. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if, if suddenly they're the aggressors or they're seen to be the aggressors and certainly Crimea, which is legitimately, I mean, legitimately, there is a mix in Crimea. They're not all, um, there are a lot of pro, there are a lot of full on Russians, but also pro Moscovite Russians. Right. Who are in Crimea. So if the, if the imagery that we start to see is no longer brave Ukrainians defending themselves or making uh, advances to regain ground that they had lost, if instead now they are seen as going in and, 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 um, you know, taking ground that maybe doesn't necessarily want to be part of Kiev, uh, will that also then facilitate this idea that, um, you know, uh, you know, both sides are the same. There is no good or bad. Um, that's why I say, I think, uh, uh, she's, um, uh, 12 point, uh, program, right. uh, you know, his, his 12 step program, uh, is very, very ambiguous when it comes to, um, recognizing territorial integrity because, you know, from Moscow's perspective, uh, all four provinces that were under a referendum, quote unquote, are not part of Russia. So does China see that as part of territorial integrity for Russia? Or do they recognize that those referendums were conducted under under the bayonet and, and aren't legitimate? So, Well, they have a problem with the blowback. Up. The blowback around, and by the way, I heard Chicago audio coming our way, and that's why I, yeah, I muted I them. So I did, yeah, but, but we got it. I, I I muted on my side, Chicago, but we heard something coming our way. Um, so, um, but in the meantime, um, this is a real problem for China because if they start arguing that a country can, you know, just, you know, create these referendums, or or there's a there's a if the if the West and the rest of the world fights back against the 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 fabrication of the Luhansk and Donetsk People's Republics and all that crap, you know, that's a real problem for them with Taiwan going forward. And the U.S. deployed trainers, more of them, to Taiwan this week. So they're going to be there on the regular. We're not going to have a military base in Taiwan anytime soon, but we are going to have a, a constant presence of military trainers working in Taiwan, which will act as effectively human shields against Chinese, you know, imperialist ideals on Taiwan. Also the reason, also the reason why I've run into not, not, not a few, uh, Taiwanese soldiers here in Ukraine with the yes. foreign legion. So. That's right, because they they understand that it's a very similar fight to what they're going through um, over there. So that's it's yeah. a bigger conversation for a, a bigger time. And it's I think you're absolutely right that sure. um, this this is um, I don't I don't think we see a time where you know I, I I mean we may go back to early 2014 where the little green men are there and they're like uh, they they dress them in civilian clothes and have them look like they aren't Russian fighters and Wagner Mercs fighting against the Ukrainians, but they're dressed in civilian clothes. So they, uh, if they do get killed, it looks like the Ukrainians are killing civilians in the area. And, that's, and there's that's nothing, always a and there's also nothing to stop the Russians from just slapping on a blue or a yellow ribbon around uh, a, a Russian soldier's arm and have them do something terrible, film it, and then right. say, Oh, you know, put it out in the, in the, in the information sure. sphere and say, Oh, you know, it looks like those are Ukrainians conducting war crimes. You know, we just, it's, they're very good at this, the Russians yes. are. They're extremely good at manipulation. I mean, there's a reason why the one of the very first terms for, in essence, gaslighting a person was called a Potemkin village. And that was, you know, back in 17, uh-huh. whatever, 60 something, yeah. you know, right. uh, 
you know, it's yeah. they're very good at manipulating your mind and making you, um, you know, think you know what you're seeing is not what you're seeing. Don't worry. You know, well, and that's going to get even worse. You know, we've been really looking gonna, at and it's going to get anybody worse. wants anybody dives into like Mid Journey or or ChatGPT and all the stuff that's coming up. You are going to see a flood of phony news uh, websites over the next year, especially that are auto populated with artificial garbage based on talking points that are, are one click and will seem to you to be written by your favorite author. Like at a certain point, you will have to um, run scans or question, beg your pardon, uh, run scans or question um, anything you read in that regard. It's going to be a, a, a wild west as far as misinfo and disinfo over the next couple of years. And the people I'll who are mocking, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the the people that are mocking the, that we would have a disinfo uh, bureau in the government, get used to it because every government is yeah. going to need one at some point. And it won't be yeah. stuff we disagree with. It will be manufactured, computer-generated propaganda from other countries written, you know, again, a worm on a hook. It, uh, like that will I be – I mean, there was a time, you know – Vladimir Putin came out with a statement, I want to say about five years ago, where he said, whoever is best at AI will be the dominant power on the planet. I mean, Putin right. said that. Yes. You know. And by so. the way, unfortunately for him, it is the U.S. and it will be the U.S. Yeah. The question, though, is, is that the problem with it is even the second runner up of AI can do a ton of damage. And that's what we're going to discover. If your if your if your motivation and if you if the way you implement those AIs is as insidious as what yes. the Russians do, because again, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not again, I'm not going to put on my uh, uh, you know pro America rose colored glasses just yet, but we don't do it the same way the Russians do. The right. Russians weaponize information in a way that's completely different than what the Americans do. Um, right. and, you know, and, I, and you know, America does. You know, use, uses information warfare in a very, you know, they, they they try to get people on side. They try to, you know, they try to, you know, uh, make the enemy look like uh, a very, you know, the worst guy. Russia just wants chaos. Mm -hmm. Russia wants weaponized chaos. You don't know what truth is. Mm -hmm. You don't know um, what you know, right, wrong, up, down. They they want you in a constant state. Of, um, of disconnected reality. Uh, mm -hmm. It's vicious. It's I, I have been a victim right. of it myself. I've, sure. I've had Russian disinformation campaigns um, used on me, and it screwed my head up for a really mm -hmm. long time. I'm talking mm -hmm. years because, mm -hmm. I, you know, like Mike Flynn goes to Russia, and he gets told up is down, down is up, yeah. you know, black is white. Uh, you know, the, 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 the deep conspiracies and the corporations. And don't you think this is weird? And look at it this way and look at it that way. And right. Doesn't mean, mean this. And, and, and you, when you, if you're a, if you're a thinker, you, you, you start to go, well, maybe it does. I mean, maybe, right. It, you know, and it took me a long time to go, no, no, yeah. no. I know, I, I, I know what I'm seeing. I uh -huh. know that an apple is an apple and orange is an orange. And no, <laughs> yes, you can't right. tell me otherwise. Right, and that uh, takes act, that takes an that active that that's an active aspect of modern yes. life that people are going to have to get used to. Active. At least until there is some sort of 
you know, giant AI fail safe that, you know, there's like, there are, there are computers that now like programs or AI programs that can tell you if something was written by an AI. And then there are ways, there are AIs that can work around the algorithm that those use to trick that thing into thinking it was written by a real person. It's hilarious. And that's how it's it's going to be for a while. It's the age old battle between defense and offense, you know? Yep. What's, so what's let's his, grab a question. Taking the advantage. Uh, we got yeah. a couple minutes. Did I want to at least get the question you in. Ask yeah. me how before um, we go yeah, to but audience We'll get questions? to it after. Well, yeah, we'll get it to it okay. after one of these. Sure. Yeah. Johnny. Johnny. So from Berkeley Dowd, uh, MSNBC aired a special oh, highlighting Berkeley. Ukraine's resistance network in Kherson and how they interacted with Russian soldiers. How celebrated is the resistance over there? Um, I mean. I don't want to say very, oh, well, okay. I don't want to over-exaggerate it, but it is very respected and very much appreciated. Um, those guys are doing really brave work because if they're found out, I mean, there's no, there's no trial. There's no nothing. That's a bullet in the back of the head. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that Kherson in particular was very active. Um, Kherson's been, Kherson's been tricky the entire war. Uh, because a lot of manipulation has been going on, but we do know that there were people like, uh, you know, messing around with so- signposts and sneaking into the central railway station, raising up a Ukrainian flag and, um, you know, calling in or getting messages uh, to Ukrainians, the Ukrainian defenses about, about uh, you know, force, Russian force uh, strengths and things like that. So they've done an amazing, amazing job, and they are very much appreciated and respected. The only reason I, I couch that is because there is this looming other thing, which is kind of a blanket um, a side of, of respect and appreciation, and that's just the entire armed forces of Ukraine. So mm-hmm. while these guys are kind of working as partisans, as they're working behind the lines as a, as a kind of a, a, a guerrilla group, um, they're not – they are respected. There are tales being told. There are stories, and there's and there's appreciation. But it's generally people just have this overarching thing of like, thank God that there are guys out there who are fighting in our interests, and that's just the ZSU, the Armed Forces of uh, of Ukraine. So, mm-hmm. um, cool. Let's take a break. We'll be back right after this. South Sports Radio Program Mega Worldwide. We'll have more of the questions from the chat at infotainmentwars.com and at twitch.tv slash Sparks and at Facebook and uh, even in the Twitter machine. I don't know what Johnny's just spinning plates over there. Um, we have a lot to talk about. And then I want to talk about the, I, I think the biggest under the table conversation is the growing tension between Prigozhin and Putin. I think that is the Trojan horse that exists in this thing more than any other thing. It is extraordinary and bizarre, and we'll talk about it on the other side. You're listening to Hal Sparks' radio program, Mega Worldwide. Ah, I thought there was going to be like a new one every break. I was so excited. You want more, Hal? We'll give you more. Hal Sparks' radio program, Mega Worldwide, on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCBT 820. hoo Welcome back to the show. So, um, if you're uh, if you're watching or listening on uh, the the YouTube channel, Philip Itner is joining us uh, at Philip Itner on Twitter. He's um, in Kiev right now. Um, was just uh, I you, you, I would I want to get into some of the questions that I have. I I think 
And we'll grab some more questions. Um, Johnny is uh, farming those for us with the help of our mods in the chat right now. Uh, Don't forget to support the show, patreon.com slash housesparks, if you can, if you care, if you won't. Um, Until I get a big millionaire or billionaire whale, in which case, of course, I will... uh, They'll take their money right back because I won't change what I'm saying. Anyways, um, the the one thing that stands out um, to me th- that I think people are glossing over is this weird fight beque- between Yevgeny Prigozhin, who is who has been called Putin's chef and who is the head of the Wagner Group, who uh, has committed openly committed war atrocities that they brag about on their Telegram channels. This is not even a question of, you know, the CIA is cooking up and a false flag. Of blah. These guys brag about the horrors that They're they create. They're proud of it. And this guy, apparently, the biggest problem, this, this, came, up, this came to a head over the last week, that, that Prigozhin believes that the Russian military is denying, is, quote, mistreating Wagner forces, igniting intent, um, and, and refusing to give them... Uh, enough artillery and weapons and ammunition. Air um, support. Yes, all that stuff. He accused the MOD of lying about supplying all unconventional units with requested artillery ammunition, claiming instead that Wagner uh, forces received only 20% of the artillery ammunition promised to them. Prigozhin claimed that the MOD statement, quote, is spitting at the Wagner private military company and an attempt to hide the MOD's crimes against fighters. This is the same week, by the way, Biden gives a speech in uh, in in Poland, shows support for Kiev, shows it there and declares that Russia has is committing crimes against humanity. The language here can't can't be an accident. Him bringing up this crimes against fighters argument, which is just a weird thing to phrase in the first place. He goes, who achieved battlefield successes near Bakhmut. Again, this is that uh, salami slice or Pez dispenser version of war that they carry out. Like we we get paid for every yard we gain and don't have to refund any of the money when we lose it. It's the perfect money printing situation for Prigozhin and his, and his Cretans, especially when he just gets to throw prisoner conscripts at them. So uh, is... Is that a bigger conversation or are people just going, you know, when when your enemy is is on the ground kicking himself, you know, in the face, um, chuffing, why interrupt? I mean, at, at this stage, I don't know if it's uh, if it's an issue between Prigozhin and Putin so much as it's an issue between Prigozhin and Gerasimov, the head of, mm-hmm. of the uh, Russian, Russian military. military. Right. Uh, you know, because there is a, there is. The Ru- Russia's army is a very weird. It's complicated. I, 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 we can go into it in, in depth, uh, right. but it, it'll take up a whole chunk of time. But let me just shorten it and say there's a there's a there's a weird part of, of of the Russian military in the sense that it is massively dependent on conscripts and just numbers, sheer numbers. But there is also an elite, and there is a there's there's military academies. There are guys who make it their profession. Uh, there's right. an esprit de corps. And they don't like those guys, the elite, the officer corps. They don't like seeing a guy like Prigozhin rock up and, and grab all their glory. Right. So I, and, and also there's a history of this, by the way, in Russian history, there's a, especially in times of crisis for the czar or the head, uh, the, the, the titular head, the guy at the very, very top, Stalin mm. during the Soviet Union, for example, he would pit 
his boyars, which are basically just the princes, the aristocracy, the kind of the elite, he would pit right. them against one another. Uh, and, and I think we're seeing that. I don't think Prigozhin and Putin are at each other's throats. I think Prigozhin and Gerasimov are at one another's throats. And it's, it's Putin, Putin is happy to let that happen because he can also then, uh, elevate himself above the fray. Because there's also another thing in Russian culture where it's like, oh, all of this that's going wrong, it's clearly not the guy at the head. There's a thing called if the czar only knew. We've talked about it in the past. Yeah, right. So I think Putin is trying to elevate himself above, and he might even be instigating the infighting because, again, that puts him uh, uh, on a higher plane. So uh, we shall see what happens with Prigozhin. We shall see what happens with Gerasimov. But I've also seen, you know, I've also seen commentators now starting. There was a, a video that was just released today of um, uh, a, a, a woman by the name of Ksenia Sobchak, who likes to pretend to be a dissident, but she's not really. But she has fled Russia, and she had a panel between kind of hawks and doves. And they started openly, like, going at one another about all sorts of right. things. So we're starting to see cracks in Russia. We're starting to see dissent. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, anybody is, is openly saying, let's make peace with the Ukrainians, and uh, we've been terrible to the Ukrainians. Moreover, it's basically... Uh, do we stay or do we go? And and if we go, it's because of those you know dastardly NATO guys who seduced Ukraine away from us, and we really lost the war to NATO, right. not Ukraine. Right. Because um, they'll never accept that. So, but you're okay, right. Cool. It's, yeah. It's, it's I, I, I'm I feel like I'm here for I it. feel like yeah. The so there there are a bunch of mill bloggers. Um, that are grinding their teeth about this and have been for a, a couple of weeks as it worked its way up mm-hmm. into the and military bloggers for, you know, that are pro-Russian that I'm specifically talking about that I, you know, I, I read and watch what they say. And it's, it's really fascinating to pair that up with what the like pro-Russia, you know, or the anti-Ukraine or the we should just call this off. It's not important or it's ridiculous, like including Seymour Hirsch. If you pair this against the internal conversations of mill bloggers, Wagner Mercs, Russians who are in, you know, soldiers who are there and the conversations that they're having on Telegram, you can read them. This idea that uh, that. You know, Ukraine has no chance and the Russians are, you know, going to roll over everybody and it's just a matter of time and we're prolonging the inevitable. This weird storyline from last year that literally Seymour Hirsch told to Russell Brand this week. He was a guest on his show and literally said, we're just, we're just prolonging the inevitable. The Ukrainians have no chance against a force like Russia. It's cartoonish and grotesque from, by the way, a guy for all, for all practical purposes, has the most secretive connections to alleged sources that all just seem to tell him exactly what he already thinks, which is amazing. And I'll say the same thing that I say over mm. and over <laughs> again. Get on a plane, yeah. fly to Krakow, get on a train, mm-hmm. go just to like the border, Biden did. Right. walk across the border, and see the Ukrainian people. The, all of this kind of oh, there's the overwhelm. I mean, like I saw Peter Zahn, who I think Zahn or Zahan, Zion, um, yeah, the, the Canadian uh, guy from 
Strator. Have I got it right? I'm gapping. It's Zion, right? Uh, Uh, Z-E-I-H-A-N, Zion. Yeah. Yeah, Zion. Uh, Who is is a very good – I'm not going to diss on him. It's not – that's not the point. He's excellent in what he does. But like so many geopolitical analysts or military analysts – Right. What they're what they're not seeing is what I see on a daily basis, and it is an unmeasurable thing because human beings are mushy, and they're they're they're, they're not calculable. It's not quantify. It is not yeah. qualitative. It is quantitative. These people are motivated. They will fight. That everybody right. is going to fight if they yes. have to because it's their it's 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 generations stretching out into time immemorial from this point. Right. If they lose this war, they go back to being subjects of Moscow. I, yeah, and that's the, free, that's finally. the, right. That's the driving, mo- that's the prime yeah. mover in this situation. Whereas in many ways, Russia doesn't have one. It's, it, it, as no. its prime mover is this kind of artificial idea of reconstituting something that nobody really wants to reconstitute anyways because they may want Ukraine, talk- but they don't really want Dagestan, honestly, if they're being truthful. You know what I mean? This idea of putting the whole USSR back together is is baloney. If anything, they'd rather have Norway. Yeah. They could and- lose Dagestan. They could lose Chechnya. They could lose a whole bunch of stuff in their soft underbelly in that region. They, they wouldn't want to because it gets more and more dangerous when it goes it comes up against Iran, which actually is a whole other kettle of fish. They don't want to lose thing in their Far East because it comes up against, uh, you know, China. Right. But Ukraine is intrinsic to their sense of identity, their sense right. of empire, their sense of self. It's really an important thing. I put out a blog uh, uh, on the 23rd that uh, folks who, who want to see my blog on YouTube, it's just my name, one Alan Phillip, two T's in it there, put out a thing about how, like, this the, Ukraine is different than any other part of of Russia's empire, and it is intrinsic to their sense of empire. So, um, you know, it's going to be it's. But the, all these guys who talk about like oh the inevitability, we're just the name the inevitability. Even the guys who are talking about like oh if you give them F sixteens, those F sixteens aren't going to be useful for another year. And right, they, they said that with the M seven seven sevens, the howitzers. Yes. They said, the they, they said it with high They said it with yeah. And the they trainers say it with were ammo. Like, These guys are on an accelerated program of training because they are so motivated to learn every single thing that they can as quickly as they can, so they can get these weapon systems online. You can't quant- you can't measure that. That's something that I mean, they they. I would argue that they would cut the training time for the F sixteen. By you know, I don't know how much, but significant percentages. So uh, all of that talk of like, oh, you're you know, just look at the numbers, crunch the numbers, and you're well, no, numbers don't work when you're when you're willing to do what right. these people are willing to do. Well, and, and they, I, they, because yeah. they're fighting for everything. We have to take a break, but um, one of the one of the things that is kind of an ongoing story in this that we'll talk about on the other side, and and we'll take more of the questions that we have in there as well, because I feel like the show is just flying by. There's so much yep. stuff yeah. going on. But um, it, 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 as an example, um, uh, Russian mill bloggers were pointing out that the uh, that Wagner Mercs were embedding with I think the 51st Russian Brigade um, in uh, in Don, in the Donetsk region, I think. Anyways, and that. Russians, they were all like gathering together. The Wagner guys were going to be with them, and then they're all going to push towards Bakhmut. And the guys in the fifty first started injuring themselves on purpose so as not to go. 
They started like it's a lot of foot shooting and people cutting themselves. It was just like this weird Mm -hmm. like everybody in the unit suddenly fell down a flight of stairs um, like they were an oligarch on, you know, on their way to talk to a Western journalist. And uh, and so the unit size was cut in half by, by themselves and not even because of this friendly fire stuff that was going on. It is insane. And it's not part of the yeah. general Another conversation. Non-quantifiable. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. It is. You, you can't. It's a an, an, an unknown known. How is it affecting the the Russian side of things? And it definitely is because it has to play into why we didn't see a bigger attack. And there's this concern about it being right over the horizon. But that, you know, it's that, again, the unknown knowns. All right, we'll be back right after this. It's the House Parts Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I am happy. You are happy. Let us be happy together. Whether the weather is cloudy or sunny, I will always be a funny honey bunny. I am lucky. You are lucky. Let us get lucky together. Whether the weather is cloudy or breezy, I'll be there to say, hey, come on, let's take it easy. Because isn't it nice to have the friends that you do? And isn't it nice that the sky is so blue? And isn't it nice to say I love you? Chugga, chugga, choo, choo, woo, woo. I am smiling, you are smiling, let us smile together, whether the weather is cloudy or stormy, I will still be there in the morning, I'll be right by your side in the morning, I'll make you breakfast in the morning, I hope that you like cereal. Yay! I'll be right by your side in the morning, I'll make you breakfast in the morning, I hope that you like cereal. Yay! Uh, Yay. These are the days. Uh, Well, all, all, you know... You know, and and I think that song has even more meaning on the, the day of hate. Um, so uh, I guess Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, attempted uh, presidential campaign, where she just decided to have people be uh, outrageously anti-Semitic and awful on the streets of America, just to show their fealty to her or whatever is going on, uh, failed miserably again. It's nice to say. I, here's the thing. Is there awful in the world? Of course. There's 8 billion people on this planet. There are, you know, there's a 20% uh, mental illness uh, and and violent uh, monster aspect of every society, give or take, depending on them, no matter how big or small the tribe is. So, yeah, they're out there. Are they indicative of the overall mass of humans? Absolutely not. And it's it's really quite reassuring, to me anyways, that in countries with millions of people in them, that the people who uh, are are defending the actions of Vladimir Putin or or anti-Semitism and all this stuff are pitifully small. And the the real story I would like to remind everybody, and this this is similar to stuff that happened a couple of years ago. Remember there was a guy who was drawing swastikas inside uh, with a Sharpie inside uh, New York trains. He was just drawing them all over the place. And people were getting up and wiping them off. Yeah. One guy with a Sharpie does not get to define the entire society. What defines the society is the yeah. volume and of take people it from a guy, And take it from a guy off. who spent the better part of the last 20 years going war to war. I've been in over a dozen wars. Hopefully this is my last one. I have mm-hmm. seen human beings do awful things to one another. Mm-hmm. I have also, in those same conditions, seen people do extraordinary things. In aid and assistance. It seems like wherever you go, Phil, there's a war. I've seen the worst of us, and I've seen the best of us. <laughs> yeah, so leave him alone. <laughs> Causality, is, you know, is not the yeah. He is not the. By the way, he is not the murder she wrote. It, uh, Jessica Fletcher is not the greatest mass murderer in the history of television. It doesn't work that way, I Johnny. I think she might be. 
Yeah. So, no. <laughs> well, I'm just waiting for the other three horsemen to show up, and then, you know, off we go, you know, so. Right. And, and yet, they, they don't come. Yeah. I see. There you go. Um, so, let's grab a couple more questions at the tail end of the show, just because we can. And uh, and what yes, do we please. have there, Johnny? Yeah, this is from Greg Edmund. Have you met Adrian Arsenal of the CBC? She's in Ukraine now. What's that name again? Adrian Arsenal. Nope, haven't met her. I know Sarah Rainsford with the BBC. I know Stephen Rosenberg with the D- BBC, who is extraordinarily is good. And thank CBC, oh, Canadian. The CBC. I may have done. Yes, I may have ran into her recently. Uh, I would have to take a picture. I'd have to look, take a look at, at a picture of her. But yes, I've I've run into CBC crew. So I, I would bet you, yes, I have. And she's yeah, Google her very with the browser history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I used to work for the CBC occasionally when I was freelance, and it's a great organization. They let us do a thing called a rant where we just just bleh, uh, mm-hmm. excise everything from your brain, and they would then edit it and put it together. Wonderful organization, the CBC. Good news. Wonderful. Department. Got another question from Eric R. Pierkarski. Asking uh, for the guys, what's the thinking on reports that Russia's latest military jet is supposedly to be stationed? I don't know. I might have not gotten the rest of that question. Do you know what he means? Uh, I I think I do, yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're fifth-generation fighter. He's an extraordinary fighter. Uh, They have have really good – uh, aviation and air, you know, air power is, and they haven't brought it really to bear. Uh, it could, that could change in this year. That is, that is an advantage they have not taken, uh, yet because Ukraine's, uh, air defense systems are so good. So we'll have to see. I don't know what he's referring to when it comes to, um, moving them to airfields. I, he might be referring to Belarus. We've had talks about that, but again, Lukashenko is, that, the, the issue has not changed with Lukashenko. Lukashenko has, has cannot give full support to Putin. He cannot use his own armed forces in any kind of offensive because he has to keep them internally within Belarus. Otherwise, his own people will depose him, and he will go the way of Gaddafi. Uh, so uh, that hasn't changed. But, yeah, the Russians might put, you know, planes in Belarus, and they might bring out their best planes uh, in this year. I don't know. Uh Another right. reason to give him a 16th. Yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead, Johnny. Grab another I, I've got another question from Jovan Hutton. Pull my finger. Uh, could All you right. ask Phil if Ali Velshi is as nice a guy off camera as on camera? He's a lovely guy. He is. He's uh, a lovely guy, and he's, 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 he's articulate and intelligent. And he, um, he unlike a lot of people in the international press corps, he, he's done his he's done his hard work mm-hmm. when it comes to Ukraine, and he has a he has a better understanding than most. Um, you know, not as much as me, but um, uh, he, he's and and Aww. he's been nice enough to let me impart some of my my knowledge to him. So yep. he's open and receptive to that. And uh, yes. no, he's a lovely guy, and I'm yep. I'm proud to call him a friend. Oh, that's terrific. Yep. Uh, Ed's three D Tech. Can you ask Philip about GMLRs? GMLRs. Um, uh, is that the, that's the rocket system? I believe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, he's referring yeah. to. Yep. Yeah, the the long range rocket. Variation. Yeah. Yeah, it's the long. It's the it's the one that shoots up and then uh, basically a they drone go, comes out with a shell. Yeah, and then they and. <laughs> 
uh, and then they're controllable and stuff. I mean, yeah, and it's longer range. It would be great. Yes, please. I mean, I made yeah. the point on Ali's show last night, and it still stands. Mm-hmm. We need to stop the incrementalism. Give them everything they need. Give it now. Let's finish this war with a victory on the ground. We'll have mm-hmm. negotiations. We will sit down around the table. But we have to finish the war. The war. Otherwise, Russia will just... Just mm-hmm. keep coming. We have to stop the incremental. The drip, drip, drip has got to stop. Give them everything that they ask for, short of nukes. <laughs> um, and, you know, and with limitations, if, if we're worried about them striking deep into Russia and, and, and some, you know, making the Russians go nuts, we can, we can work with them on that. But the most important thing is they need everything, uh, everything that we can possibly give to them because there are hundreds of thousands of Russian conscripts, sadly. And, um, and, and Ukraine will be only be able to combat that uh, with better firepower. And let's squeeze in one more quickie. Can you ask yeah. Phil if he can make a video about the farmer's market that you always go to? Mm-hmm. Sure. I will. Yes. See, that That's was easy. Bessarovsky, Bessarovsky Market is what it's called. It's uh, named after the Bessarovsky Pass. Uh, that uh, the Russians are worried about because it's uh, away into their flatland and, and onward into Russia. It's a mm-hmm. lovely place. I'll go get some pickles. I'll go get some caviar, and I'll film it. I and and by the way, uh, I've eaten some of the pickles from that area because uh, Philip was nice enough to uh, bring me a jar all that way. And uh, the the gar the the garlic stems, the pickled stems. Sure, I'm, I'm just saying. Just amazing. Anyway, thanks so much, Philip Bittner. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you, Johnny Million. Love you guys. Uh, Be safe. Take care. And we will. uh, Philip, I will see you on the Wednesday stream if you'll uh, be able to join me. And uh, we will. uh, I'll be there. Yep, we'll keep filling people in on uh, uh, the details. Yep, on the details as they as they come. Thanks so much. See you next week. All right, guys. Mm -hmm. Bye.